Today's episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. Welcome everyone to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Shahan J. Roger, the college football insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find all of our work at TexasFootball.com. You can find us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find us on Twitter at DCTF. If you haven't as yet, become a subscriber, TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. If you do it now, you will get a copy of our recruiting edition, edition excuse me, featuring Haynes King, the Longview quarterback, and Texas A&M commit on the cover, and of course, next year's magazine as well. Uh, as always, we've got Ishmael Johnson in the house. Ish, how you doing, man? Yo, what up, man? I'm pretty tired. I won't <laughs> lie to you. I was about to say, you had a little quick road trip. Oh, boy. Okay, so on, on Monday, we got the news that Jeff Trailer was probably going to be the new head coach at UTSA. Mm-hmm. I heard a rumor the press conference is going to be at 2 p.m. on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. But I was like, well, I need to know for sure before <laughs> I can plan anything. Uh, and then, obviously, while I was driving home, they officially tweeted out the news that Jeff Trailer would be hired and would be introduced like 18 hours later. Right cool <laughs> so i basically got home immediately and uh and told my wife we got to jump in the car and go literally right now so i've driven a lot <laughs> these past two days across this uh this great state or at least across i-35 but uh whew, i'm back yeah i'm back i'm back okay <clears throat> so football uh regular season football is over in the mm-hmm. state um you know let, let's touch real quick on the baylor oklahoma game i mean Gosh, I can't believe that it was as competitive as it was. Yeah. Considering, I mean, it feels so long ago at this point, honestly. It really does. Like, I mean, it was only four days ago, but yeah. it feels forever ago. It, Yeah, it does. It feel, and, like, especially it's kind of wild when you consider how many, like, turns that game took. Oh, yeah. Like, it looked like, because, I mean, like, if first both defenses were playing lights out, and then Oklahoma started to find something, and then Baylor swapped in three quarterbacks, obviously for varying different reasons, but yeah. they each found their or like at least the latter two found their own success and like Whoa. these crazy throws and like it just and then it went to overtime. It, it, it's wild how it's just like, oh yeah, that happened, didn't it? It was funny because I mean, and for good reason. Mm-hmm. The stories that everybody were talking about during the game were, wow, Gary Bohannon saving the day, right? And then obviously, you know. It was kind of a couple of plays. Right. Then it was, whoa, Jacob Zeno saving the day. And then it was kind, kind of a couple, a couple of plays. plays right? <laughs> and, like, look, I understand that, you know, for a lot of people, because a lot of people had been calling to see backup quarterbacks. Because I'll mm-hmm. tell you what, the the most popular person on any roster is the backup quarterback. Oh, sure. You don't know. Because it's all projection. It, yeah, it's, all... yeah it's, it's, the whole, uh, it's the whole, well, you can have Charlie Brewer or you can have this mystery box. Right. And in this mystery box... Could have Charlie Brewer, <laughs> right? You know, right, exactly. Like, like you could have a very experienced, very talented junior quarterback, right? Uh, or you could have, you know, some guys who have their own skills. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Zeno, legitimately, we knew coming into the game was probably the best passer of the bunch. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got the strongest arm, whatever. And uh, you know, with Bohannon, you knew that he was probably a little bit more athletic, a little bit more, uh, you know. A little bit more of a running threat. Mm-hmm. Uh, had a stronger arm, not necessarily as accurate an arm. Right. I was about to say, that first touchdown pass he threw, that was a misplay by the defender. Oh, like, that was man. a terrible misplay. Oh, man. <laughs> that, that is a pick waiting well, to happen. Well, and actually that, and then also the uh, the Tyquan Thornton catch, like, 30 yards down the field. Yeah. That, that they, it was just... <laughs> I think somebody said it. They, uh, they were playing jackpot. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. They were literally right. just playing jackpot. I was like, and wow. And Thornton won. Yeah. It was, they were terrible plays by the by yeah. whoever was defending both of them. I remember I went back, because like, you're caught in the euphoria. You're like, oh, right. what, what right, is this? You're right, 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 right. doing this crazy stuff. And then you go back, you're like, oh, the defenders just really mistimed that Yeah, pass. yeah. I mean, I, I don't think that. Look. There's a reason that Charlie Brewer is the starting quarterback at the Right, University. yeah, exactly. Like, and the fact that he's played this poorly, probably due to being hurt and not being right, 100%, right. we can speculate. Uh, we, can, we can probably assume now. Um, but there's a reason why it took this long for them to pull the trigger, even with right. him not at 100%. Right, and look, I mean, I think that both of us have talked about, oh, you know, has he hit a ceiling? Has, right. you know, has Charlie Brewer regressed? Has, is he dealing with injuries? And, and Matt Rule after the game was pretty particular that, no, he's not. Mm-hmm. Sure. We'll see. You know, I mean... <laughs> he still I has a bowl know. game. So. Right, right. And, I mean, honestly, I think that having a month to rest up before the bowl game, that's a big deal. Yeah. You know, the fact that he doesn't have to play a, a game for basically four weeks, mm-hmm. I mean, he nobody needs that more this season than Charlie Brewer. Yeah. And, uh, look, I, I think that you look at that Baylor-Oklahoma game and... Um, 
you know, and, and obviously, if you don't know as yet, obviously, Baylor lost in overtime 30-23 to 23 to Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma went to the playoff. Baylor is going to the Sugar Bowl, and we'll get to some of the bowl stuff in, in just a second. Um, look, I, I think that you feel good about this Baylor team because they had an opportunity to do something that no one thought that maybe they'd be able to do ever again. Right. They were an overtime away from potentially going to the playoff. And... I think they. I mean, like, I I think it would have been it would have been hard for the Oklahoma for the committee not to put them in. Right. Like uh, Utah lost. That was right. always like, Utah the, oh, what if they just Georgia put, got murdered? Georgia got beat down. And so, like, yeah, we can talk about how they've been underseeded, underranked all season long, and like they've always been hesitant. But like, if Baylor would have won that game, there's right. no reason why they, they would have gotten the playoff. They and and you know, we can we can ask how well would it have gone? I, I think right. that's a fair question, but. Sure. But at the same time, they would have gone to the playoff. Yeah. And, uh, and I think the fact that you are literally an overtime away from potentially going to the playoff. And honestly, like that overtime shifted too on the face mask call. You mm-hmm. know, like, <laughs> because I think that if you're facing second and, you know, that was like a two-yard gain that turned into a 12-yard gain. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, it's, and that's the sort of thing. You know, Oklahoma's a team that's been here and doesn't make those mistakes. Yeah. And Baylor's a team that's done a pretty good job of not making those mistakes um, but, you know, when you make them, they, they end up costing you. And I'm curious to see, and, and obviously we have an entire offseason to talk about next year, but yeah. I'm curious to see what exactly Baylor looks like. One, in the bowl game, but two, what do they gain next year? Because mm-hmm. I think that they have the potential to be a better football team, but the schedule is a lot tougher. Yep. Because you have to go to Norman, you have to go to Austin, you have to go to Ames, you have to go to Morgantown, and you have to go to Lubbock. Yeah. Like, that's, those are five places you don't want to play football. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it, it, which I think that the team will be better next year because they bring back quite a bit. Um, but it's going to be it's going to be interesting. Uh, I, I'm, I'm curious to see kind of how they respond now with expectations on their shoulders for the first time. But anyway, that's enough about that. Uh, let's get to you to say coach. Yes. Jeff Trailer. So the reason, like I mentioned, that I had to do a whole lot of driving the last two days <laughs> and I am exhausted uh, is because. Jeff Trailer was hired as the third head coach in UTSA history, which is a weird thing to say, by the way, but <laughs> the third coach after Larry Coker and Frank Wilson. Um, we haven't really had any time to talk about this. No. Like, this is actually the first time we're really talking about it. And and that includes even in the office. Like, I right, haven't right. been here. Yeah. You know? So, uh, I, I guess to get started, what, did, what were your some of... What were some of your initial thoughts when you saw that they were going to hire the former uh, Arkansas assistant, SMU mm-hmm. assistant, Texas assistant, and of course Gilmer head coach? Yeah, I think I think you knew my initial thoughts. Yeah, um, and I kind of put a little bit on social media. They seem to have hired, yeah. at least on the surface, yeah, a less collegiate experienced Frank Wilson. Yeah, um, you take an associate head coach. You take a running backs coach, a recruiting coordinator, a recruiting coordinator from, from an SEC, SEC West. <laughs> yes, from the SEC West, with again less collegiate experience than Frank Wilson. Right. Um, but you take that mold and you put him, you hire him, which is literally the mold of Frank Wilson. Now, let me go. But let me go ahead before everybody jumps down my throat. <laughs> yes, I realize he is the legendary coach of Gilmer. Right. The stadium in Gilmer, Texas, is named after him. Um, he is obviously a proven high school coach. In Texas. Here's the thing. Frank Wilson was also a proven high school coach in Louisiana. To a lesser extent, right? Sure. He's not he didn't win state championships out the butt like Jeff Trailer did. Right. But he had he was very, very prominently known as a high school coach before he went to LSU and became the running backs coach and the talented recruiter we know him as. Yeah. Um so my initial thoughts were, huh, they fire a guy who really struggled with player development, who really struggled with kind of nurturing the talent he was able to recruit, and kind of got a guy with a similar mold. Now, we don't know his player development skills. We don't know Jeff Trailer's team management on this level, right? We know of it course. as a high school coach. Um, but it just struck me as really weird as saying, because the things that, we can look at the things that got Frank Wilson fired. Mm-hmm. Offense was bad. Players probably didn't develop at the pace that they wanted it to. Um and I mean, honestly, that was kind of it. Like the offense those, was really terrible. The, the offense is really terrible, and the the players never really developed in certain ways. And so you would think, okay, either go offensive, right, or go absolute CEO guy you knows can run a program, and even just a player development guy, player development guy, somewhere along those lines. And so to go back to the same, a similar, I don't want to say same, the similar mold was interesting to me. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm, I agree, mm. and. 
I was curious to see, and one of the reasons why I wanted to go down, uh, among obviously just wanting to meet the new head coach at UTSA, was because I wanted to ask him. I mean, what, one, you just came from a staff at Arkansas Mm -hmm. that preached basically everything that you are trying to preach here, right? Mm -hmm. We are a players program. We want to get good players. We want to be creative. We want to have great relationships in Texas. You had all those things. You had top 25 classes both years, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, that he put together classes. Obviously, the second one is starting to fall apart now, obviously. Right. Um, but you had the recruiting. You had the ties in Texas. Mm-hmm. You had every bit of that. And that was an unmitigated disaster. Right. Now, not all his fault. Not I mean, all his fault. He, I, I think that... I think that it's going to be really interesting to see how uh, how Sam Pittman does at Arkansas now, mm-hmm. how he kind of coaches up that talent. True, but I, it was a disaster. I, yeah, I think that it that's was, fair it to was. say. It know? was, and so you look at and you look at also. I mean, he spent what was it one year at, with it with Chad at SMU. Yes, and so it was. It wasn't like they lit the world on fire at SMU either. Remember, no. people in Texas loved the Chad Morris hired to Arkansas because we knew what Chad Morris could be. Right. People in Arkansas like this guy went five and seven and seven and five. Why are we right. hiring him? Right. It wasn't necessarily like they lit the world on fire. Like ah, oh, so you got to raid this staff for a well, coach. You know, and the thing that's also interesting is one, mm-hmm. I, I think that. Chad Morris was part of this process, yes. so it's interesting to hire, like, not even his coordinator, like, kind of a, his associate head coach, yes, sure. but, you know, a fairly lower-level assistant mm-hmm. f- uh, from a staff that was just fired. Mm-hmm. Um, again, there's a lot more context to it, like, right. I want to be clear about that, but that is, at its core, what you're hiring. Right. Um, you know, so you're not hiring Chad himself, mm-hmm. you know, you're not uh, hiring one of the coordinators, you're not hiring Joe Crowduck, for example, or somebody like that. Um, I think that's an interesting situation. Uh and then, yeah, I mean, you just don't necessarily know what you're getting on the field mm-hmm. because, you know, at SMU, uh, I, I think that obviously the players got developed to another level once the new staff got there with mm-hmm. Sonny Dykes. Um, at Arkansas, I think that it was still really early on, so maybe you don't know. And the one thing you look at with on-field is that Rakeem Boyd was tremendous right. under, uh, under obviously, Jeff Trailer's watch. Mm-hmm. And that's the position group he coached. But... I wanted to go there. I wanted to go and ask him on field, what should we expect from you? What yeah. should we expect schematically? Are you going to run a spread? I mean, that's kind of what he did at Gilmer. Mm-hmm. You know, he ran sort of a very productive spread, but right. it's different coaching. What, uh, 3A, right? Is, yes. Uh, is level of Gilmer. So, like, um, you know, it's different coaching 3A kids where also, I mean, just realistically, I mean, he had some kids that were better than every other program. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that state Sorry, for it. For it, okay. Yes. So, which a oh, little I better, but there. still, right. you know, it's still a, a part of it. So, yes. um, you know, that last state championship team. I mean, because I know that one better than than his other teams. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, you're talking about McLean Carter, mm-hmm. Texas Tech quarterback. You're talking about Blake Lynch, Baylor do everything. You're talking about Chris Boyd, NFL cornerback, mm-hmm. and you're talking about Demarco Boyd, Chris's brother, who also played at Texas. Right. You know, so you're talking about four elite players in the state of texas mm-hmm. right and along with also having a lot of other talent yeah. so like at ucsa you can get to the point where you have elite talent mm-hmm. for a conference USA level but you also have to do the things that get you there mm-hmm. and you know you're not going to have players just born into it for example you know you're not just going to have kids come in already as finished products you have to prove that you can get there now the thing that you do say is that uh from what it looks like trailers bring several coaches with him from arkansas which you know, I think the idea that you're bringing coaches from a school like Arkansas to UTSA, that in itself is a big deal and right. is, is a good thing and is a good start. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think uh, I think I'm still curious. Mm-hmm. What does an on-field program look like with this? Because for me, I just look at that. And, and what he said, because I, I do want to say he did answer the question. He said, I want to evaluate what I have and figure out what fits them best. Sure. Which, fair, fair. But I guess the question for me is, okay, you want to have an identity when you recruit like i mean yes obviously it's easy to say just bring in the best 25 guys in texas every year that we can get but that's not really how it works you know that's not how you really want it to work even you want to have guys that fit you to a certain extent mm-hmm. um what does that mean for this coach you know what does it mean to have kids who fit you what what kind of quarterback do you want to play with what kind of line do you want to play with what kind of uh you know what kind of scheme do you want to run do you want to do you want to run spread do you want to run pro style do you want to run 
option. Right. You know, I mean, I think there's personnel there that could work well with option. I, obviously, he doesn't want to do that. But like, and then defensively, obviously, do I want to run three men? Do I want to run four men? Like, there's just so many questions. Mm-hmm. And granted, you have time to figure it out. I mean, I don't think he knows the roster very well. I don't. I think he kind of knows. Probably not. He probably knew that. He probably. Kn- I would assume he knows the skeleton, right? Yes. He's like he knows the program. He knows the layout. He knows he what probably it could be. McCormick he probably recruited Right. Frank he probably Harris. recruited some of these players right. a little bit more. Um, and and so. he'll have heard of plenty of them, obviously, especially especially the kids from the better high schools, because. For sure. You know he is as well connected yeah. to Texas, and so that's what that's what I do want to hint on as well. Is like I'm, I'm not down on this hire. No, it was definitely it was just more an interesting direction in my opinion. Um, yeah, that's all I'm saying. What they are getting, they're getting a guy who like Frank Wilson, perhaps better, perhaps more suited to Texas. He's getting a guy who's going to recruit his ass off. Right, right. He's going to absolutely kill East Texas because he has those pre those pre uh, um, um, pre existing pre existing ties. Uh, the THSEA Twitter account actually tweeted. Uh, Congratulations to Coach Trailer. Well, like, and actually, D.W. Rutledge was there to speak. There you go. So, like that, those connections are there. People yeah. love this dude, and yeah. so he's going to come into what we always consider one a, a job and a location that's prime for the taking. Yeah, and he's going to not only obviously still probably keep a stranglehold on San Antonio, yeah. but stretch that out to East Texas, to the Golden Triangle, to that whole area, that whole region right. is going to be open now to UTSA recruiting. So. Yes, the one thing that's not going to fall off is recruiting. Right. Like UTSA has been a good recruiting program. Frank Wilson did a good job of getting that name in high school, making them know that this is a good place to send this send your players. And now Jeff Trailer on top of that is like, oh, now Jeff's there. Yeah, let's yeah, right. oh yeah, hell yeah, come on down, buddy. Well, and the hope that you have also is that UTSA is in the very early stages of finally bringing their facilities up to yes. to a, a conference state level. Which, yes. by the way, I mean that had to be in the negotiation. Like it, Jeff Trailer probably it had, had to be, be like, look, yeah, I need something to work with. Right, here. and and they have already broken ground, I believe, yeah. on on sort of their football ops building. So it, it's supposed to be coming. Um, because look, you know, when we say facilities, I think that it's sometimes. Unclear what that, yeah, it's right. very stadium. It means whatever. Right. It's, it's kind of and, a buzzword. And for me, like facilities matter, no yeah. question about it. Um, at most schools, I think the difference between pretty good and great and elite facilities. I mean, it matters, mm-hmm. but it's more like, uh, do you have the stuff there to be able to, to coach football at a high level? And the one school in the state of Texas at the FBS level that I'm like, no, you don't. Is UTSA right? They don't have the bare stuff there right. at this point. I mean, and, and they understand it. I mean, I'm not yeah. saying anything that anybody at UTSA doesn't already know, mm-hmm. but like, they tweeted out a picture of their team meeting room, and it looked like a high school band hall. It did. It, you know, they I've been uh, sort of there to their uh, their other facilities. You know, some of the football stuff, and like their weight room might be worse than than you know like some of the stuff that was publicly available at, right. at, at high schools you know i mean i i went to obviously a big high school at coppell coppell's facilities are way nicer than mm-hmm. utsa's right and again nothing that nobody doesn't understand everybody understands that that is something that that they have to deal with uh, i mean frank wilson was very forward about talking about it so like i mean to the level where he was like yeah no i mean we can't compete with this right. you know with these facilities and the fact that he still managed to get talent in the door is a credit to him mm-hmm. now in the next year or two, you'll have a, potentially a football ops building. You know, in the next year or two, you'll have a guy in Jeff Trailer who is already uh, today or tomorrow going and speaking to the THSCA board. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a guy who, again, brought D.W. Rutledge, a San Antonio legend, with him uh, to the press conference. You know, they they talked about it a lot during the introductory presser, especially their president, Dr. Uh, Taylor Amy. He reached out to D.W. Rutledge because he was like, I basically just – we need a Texan. We right. need a guy who is going to dominate Texas, who's going to make us matter in Texas, who people know. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, they basically were like, they basically went to the board and were like, tell us who to hire. Right. You know? And like, and the other thing, the thing, the, the big thing that will separate <clears throat> Trailer from Wilson in yeah. the end is that, yes, they're both good recruiters, but the thing that will always haunt Frank Wilson is that I don't think he knew how to properly put the best schemes and the best systems right. around them because he, he what what was what was he from he's from less miles he's from right. that brand of offense you know cam cameron was coordinator at one point it's very pro style it's very basic cam that is cameron, not that's how a you name get, i have not heard exactly but it's like that 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 bland <laughs> offense right, right. is what he's used to and when you when you recruit texas talent to that scheme that's not fitting it and so you might right. you might get guys like 
Cynthia McCormick who might blossom into it. But like we're probably we're probably going to see a you know potentially a more a better Frank Harris because he's in an offense theoretically that Trailer knows can get the best out of him. And yeah. so guys like that, skill position players on offense that Trailer knows, oh, they've been running this since middle school. Let's run something more in line with that. And I think that's the difference. He knows what Texas talent works with and works best in. And that's the hope. You right. Know, that's the right. big thing. That's right. the hope. That's the thought process. Because again, I should say Barry Looney, the new offensive coordinator. Right. He was a Brett Bielema guy. Right. Like that that's it. That's that's gonna be something to watch because if trailer says if now there, it could also be saying trailer gives them the playbook and says, Hey, this is the offense we're running, and it's spread and it's more in- inducive of the to be fair, offenses. Looney also served under Chad Morris as well. That's fair. Yes, that also the, he, he was a holdover from the I should say yeah. he was a holdover he's from the best Brett tight ends coach in America. Right. And exactly. like as a as a pure tight ends coach. I mean right. he's put guy after guy after guy in the NFL and and so that's one thing that that's the only thing we know at this point is mm-hmm. that the offense will feature a tight end. Right. <laughs> that's, that's basically all we know at this point. So um Again, I, I think that that trailer probably even at this point himself doesn't necessarily know. Okay, now what? You know, in terms of the on-field product, mm-hmm. but he is a coach who coached highly productive offenses at Gilmer. I mean, that's what he was known for. Right. Um, he's a guy who has served on multiple types of staffs uh, at Texas, obviously under. I think he started under Sean Watson, coach under Sterling Gilbert, then obviously under Chad Morris at his last two stops. So I mean, he's been around different types of offense at the college level as well. Mm-hmm. So there's not like an there's not like a rigid identity. Fair enough. And and so that's. One hope. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, this is all hope because right, right. we don't we, know. We don't point. know, <laughs> right? Um, you know, it is interesting. It, it was obvious that they wanted to get a guy who had Texas high school coaching experience and mm-hmm. ties and all that sort of stuff in the door. It was interesting because again, uh, they didn't really kick the tires that much on Morris. Um, you know, Joey McGuire was a name that we had heard a lot. They mm-hmm. ended up going in a different direction, and 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 I think that McGuire also it probably wasn't the right fit necessarily, mm-hmm. um, and. The other thing that I will say too, though, and and I mean, again, this is just something that I feel is factual. You know, they're paying him a base salary of eight hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars, and that is middle of the pack in Conference USA right mm-hmm. now. You know, I mean, they're still paying off Frank Wilson, right? <laughs> so money might have been an issue with this too, right? You know, because we had heard different names, we had heard Graham Harrell, we had heard Joey McGuire, we had heard Pete Golding. Mm-hmm. You know, just as guys who could be considered. Um, I don't think it's unfair to say that that money was a factor in who mm. they ended up taking right now that doesn't mean anything about his ability or what he can do i mean if he had been hired a couple of years ago if he had been hired, i was about to say after coker i feel like his name brought it was same with texas state after right. he was one of those guys because he just got hired by charlie strong at that point yeah and so it was like oh man jeff Tr- yeah like what oh his name was kind of thrown out a little sure. bit as like an interesting name sure and so i feel like a couple of years ago if they make this hire it's a, i think it's a slam dunk and so right. it's not as like People aren't like kind of squinting their eyes uh, as as they are this year because I think people have probably felt oh they'll just go get a spread air raid guy right just right. everybody what everybody's doing but um, well and and the one yeah. thing that I wanted that that obviously again is the question mark with trailer is I think the talent is there I want yeah. to see how it's going to be coached so right well and we'll figure that out over the next couple of weeks and couple sure. of months and and obviously over the next year so uh, good luck to Jeff Trailer I yeah. mean I, all of us are rooting for him mm-hmm. uh, one. As a former Texas high school football coach, you know, I, 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 you know, the funny thing was I wore my my Dave Campbell's pullover over there, and and he basically turned to me and was like, "As long as you got that logo on, uh, you're a friend of mine," <laughs> which is obviously great. See, look at that! Yeah, Come on yeah, now, yeah. oh great, we gotta we gotta <laughs> do everything we can to keep him there. Now. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> and, and look, I mean, we're obviously rooting for him from that perspective. Sure. Also, like, look, we want all the programs to succeed. Yeah. You know, if UTSA is good, UTSA to me is a is a sleeping beast, man. Like. Mm-hmm. If you can wake it up, I think that there's a lot of potential there because you can, you know, I'm not saying you can get 25 kids from the San Antonio area, but you can get 15 to 17 every single year from the San Antonio area For that sure. can play at this level and then go out just to Austin, which isn't far away, to, to Houston, which isn't far away, hit Dallas a little bit, going to Louisiana. Like, it's it's pretty primed. I mean, I don't think that there's any other school really in Conference USA that can compete with that specific recruiting uh, kind of footprint. Yeah. And then obviously the fan support. I mean, we've seen over the last couple of years. This year was a very down year, but but historically they've been pretty solid for mm-hmm. a team that's never really won anything. All so right. You start winning something, and uh, and uh, maybe we're talking about something. So. Anyway, let's move on to the bowl matchups, okay? So we have only four teams in the state of Texas in bowl games, unfortunately, which is wild, but <laughs> that's a whole other thing. Um, okay, so the four games that we have, we have the Sugar Bowl, Baylor versus Georgia. We've got the Alamo Bowl, 
Texas versus Utah. Mm-hmm. We've got the Texas Bowl, Texas A&M versus uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. State. That's right. That's right. And then we've got the Boca Raton Bowl, SMU versus FAU. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. Elaine Kiffinless FAU. Yeah. So when you look at that, yeah. when you look at those four games, is there one that stands out to you as either being especially interesting or that's going to be a great game? Is there one that kind of jumps out? Yeah. Um. Man. If Lane Kiffin was still there, it'd be yeah. SMU FAU. Yeah. But since he is not, I'm going with Texas A&M and Oklahoma State okay. because I feel like this is a game where we can finally get a proper gauge of what Texas A&M is. And I feel like in the other matchups, while on paper they might be great games, I feel like in context, I'm not excited for those. Well. The thing that's interesting, right, mm-hmm. and uh, and I think that I'm still trying to plan out my schedule. I mean, we all, we sure. all are at this point. Right. I think I'm going to go to the Texas Bowl. I think I'm going to go to the Sugar Bowl mm-hmm. um, because I think that those are two relatively intriguing games. Oh, sure, for sure. Um, win or loss for both teams is mm-hmm. the other thing, too, because, like, here's the deal, right? One, uh, the Boca Raton Bowl, to a large extent, is just like, congrats, SMU. You get to hang out in Florida over Christmas. Right. You know, I mean, there's, like, FAU – should be able to compete with SMU a little bit. But Do we know like, who the interim coach is? Or I, if, uh, I have no idea. No, he's not coaching the bowl. Yeah, game. I was about to say he's not. He, okay, uh, Glenn Spencer, I guess I'm looking at it right oh, now. Oh, you know who Glenn Spencer is? No. He was the, uh, wasn't he the defensive coordinator at Oklahoma State forever? Was he? Yeah. Okay. I, th- I think that's right. I think I, if I have the right Glenn, but, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'm pretty sure that's correct. Uh, obviously, it's going to suck not having Lane Kiffin there, but right. you know what? Like, for SMU. <laughs> Go get your bowl win. Go get to 11. Mm-hmm. I mean, enjoy your time in Florida. Like, I, I think that SMU should be able to win this game um, without too much trouble. Right. Uh, now, again, I, I think that you're right. That Texas A&M game is going to be really interesting. I wish, selfishly, mm-hmm. that, uh, that Texas A&M could have played – Oklahoma State when they still had Spencer Sanders and when yeah. they still had Tyler Wallace. Yeah, that's definitely that. That's the big one in this one is like Drew Brown's no Spencer Sanders. No. He's fine, no. but like and they'll yeah. be good. I mean, they still got good receivers. Right? They'll it'll be like I said, it'll be a good challenge because it's not right. your. If A and M blows them out, yeah, okay, that means something. It, yeah, that if A and M blows them out, which I think they could, I they really could. think they, they could. could. Um, then it says like okay, A and M was just really unlucky with the schedule. Right. So that's why it's intriguing to me because the if, thing that's interesting like, if they also lose to this this right. team, then it's oh oh wow. You <laughs> the were schedule the team. schedule was hiding something actually. Right. So right, it is interesting to me because well, like you said, I mean, one all of A and M's losses were top fifteen. Mm-hmm. In addition. Anm's best win was Mississippi State. Fair enough. You know, so like, what does that even mean? <laughs> what, yeah, what kind of a team is AM? <laughs> right. Uh, if AM were to blow out Oklahoma State, like you said, I think mm-hmm. that means something. If they keep, if it's a close game, mm-hmm. ugh, yeah, ugh, yeah. You know, I mean, that's like AM should win this game by a lot. Sure. You know, I mean, AM should based on what we think of them now Oklahoma State's defense took a pretty big step forward this year they're not great but like they went from being horrific last year to Mm -hmm. being okay this year um you know the one thing that you say about Drew Brown versus Spencer Sanders is that he's not going to turn over the ball to the same extent but obviously you also don't have to take account of him in the running game Mm -hmm. to the same extent because Spencer Sanders I mean Look, I, I think that we can look at his game against Texas just to look. I mean, yes, he had two interceptions, but he had nearly 400 total yards, mm-hmm. you know, 100 on the ground. Like, that's something that Spencer Sanders brings to the table. And, and it just takes pressure off of Chuba Hubbard, right? Like, and granted, if Chuba Hubbard doesn't play in this game, I was about to say, cancel the I was, I was about to say, if Chuba Hubbard decides to pass it, which he probably should, um, well, if I'm yeah. him, <laughs> just yeah. just from a personal standpoint, I think he should. But if he decides to, then, yeah, don't, don't watch this game. Like, right. I would not recommend watching right, this at all. Right, right. So – and I should say, uh, Oklahoma State, their their defense isn't very good. The one thing they do do okay is uh, they play the run pretty well. Yeah. So like that's a good challenge. That'd be a good challenge for this right, run game right, for A and M. So yeah, some uh, that's just something to watch. I just feel like with these other matchups, man, <laughs> like like on on paper, yes, Baylor Georgia is like you you see that and you're like, oh man, yes. But yeah. there is something to be said about Georgia being mad that they're still not in the playoff yeah. and whether that's warranted which, or not. Which again, I will uh, I will go ahead and and nudge in there that Georgia is not a good enough program to to be able oh. to take everything for granted. Right. So But they also will. Right. So uh shout out to Texas fans because they absolutely know 
<laughs> that will happen. Um, but yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so um, what, what about you? What, what's the bull? Yeah, the bowl well, well let me go through first the lines. Okay, so that Texas A and M Oklahoma State game. So A okay. and M's a five and a half point favorites. I thought they might be a little bit more of a favorite. Honestly, I, mm-hmm. I thought that they'd be favored by closer to like nine. Okay, just because again, I think that Oklahoma State played one real game without Spencer Sanders, and they kind of got blown out. Yeah, um, and, and that's with Oklahoma playing pretty damn poorly mm-hmm. you know so now now you're heading into a game against sex a&m i mean i think it's interesting that it's only five and a half um again and should win by more than that it, w- it would be a little concerning for me if they didn't Th- this is sort of a, a tangent on a&m so we're we're coming out with all texas college team tomorrow mm-hmm. um on thursday if you're whatever you're listening to this i was going through a&m's roster mm-hmm. there's only one kid that I really felt deserved to be on All Texas College because the the second one who deserves it is Braden Mann, yeah. but he just got edged out by Dane Roy mm-hmm. because their their yards per punt numbers are about the same. Right. Um. But but Dane Roy, thirty of his fifty three punts fell within the twenty yard line. And he only had two touchbacks all year. Oof. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy, man. <laughs> it, it's insane. Um. But the only guy that I was like really and truly is like absolutely deserves to be on the list is Justin Matabuke, mm-hmm. the defensive tackle. It's and granted, I mean, Anim had a little bit of this last year. I mean, they they had more standouts. They had Travion Williams, they had Eric McCoy, like those guys were locks. Right. But like the defense is just like such a unit. And and part of that is just the way that Mike Elko coaches. Mm-hmm. Like there's not there's not a guy that they're funneling guys to. You know, like Texas Tech, for example. Like they're funneling guys to Jordan Brooks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so he's the standout. You can look at it and be like, that's the guy down there. Mm-hmm. And like AM, they have a couple more linebackers that, that kind of mix out the tackles. Like I think Anthony Hines and Buddy Johnson could have both been second team if we did a second team. Yeah. But yeah, it's just kind of a weird deal. It's just like the way that things kind of line up. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. When you I think we were we had that we had uh golly it's kind of a weird year just for positions in general right like you were kind of I mean you know take you behind the curtain a little bit you were just kind of like man there's some like is there a Texas player that we can put on here certain we found some yeah, but yeah. like and, you'll, and you'll see the list tomorrow to, to be clear like we we also I mean while we try to be representative right it, it, you if know, there's we, if there if if a team gets left out a team gets left out right like if there is just like like this year for running backs for example right it's a those are some really good running backs. There's some solid running backs in the state. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of another position where it was like it was just a really good year. And it's like, yeah, a team's going to get left out. I mean, out. receiver is always tough. Right. Um, receiver is always tough. The fact that we named one quarterback. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's a tough That's part. tough. And and look, you know what? This, this year we've talked about it a little bit already. But, mm-hmm. like, this was such a weird year because there were two elite teams in the state. And... There's then, a conglomerate in the middle. <laughs> right. A huge conglomerate in the middle. Right. And then, obviously, a bottom. And... So, you know, you look at the list, the list is dominated, obviously, by guys from those top two. Sure. You know, and, and which is probably how it should be, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, again, if you have a team that wins 10 and 11 and nobody else wins more than seven, I mean, what you going to do? Right. <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> like, like, it's like, I mean, like, you look at you look, you look at somebody like Texas, right? Right. And it's like, uh, okay, cool. What's their best? Who's their best player? Sam Ellinger. Okay, cool. So you got to have Sam Ellinger, but you also got to consider Shane Bichelle. You also got to consider um, uh, uh, Matthew Ball, or not Matthew Ball, um, 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 Charlie Brewer to an extent. You also got to consider Kellen Jet Mond Duffy, Kellen Mond. Yeah. So it's like, okay, cool. So their best position, their best position, their best player at their best position is in contention with potentially right. five other guys. Right. So right. and that was that was a tough pick. I mean, again, yeah. punter unironically was very difficult. Right. Quarterback was a very tough pick, obviously. Um, you know, drawing the line at receiver is always tough. I mean, we ended up putting three on there, which, look, we're in Texas. We're not going to run a two-receiver set. Come on now. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, like, even even like defensive line, I, I ended up do- going with three. You could have done four. There was a guy that I felt like I could have included. But, you know, it's just like, yeah. it's so hard. It's so hard. But, anyway, that, that's, that's a whole tangent. And, um, you know, so it just ended up being a weird year for, <laughs> for the state of Texas when it comes to players. We were talking about, man, like, Finding five offensive linemen was kind of tough this year because they're all, all stunk. The, well, <laughs> I'm all, sorry, and a bunch of them got hurt. Yeah, a bunch of the one the ones that you would pencil in typically right. got hurt, and then also some bad offensive line play this year. Yeah, yeah, it was a. It really was a weird year. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to have a whole podcast later dedicated to how weird this year was. I'd in the be state down for that seriously. But um, anyway, anyway, back to back to the task at hand. So again, Texas A&M a five and a half point underdog against Oklahoma State. Um, and actually, you haven't seen the lines yet, right? 
No, I have not. Okay. What would you guess uh, Utah versus Texas? What do you think the line is? Utah minus five and a half? Utah minus seven. Oh, man. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It, it, this is an interesting game from the perspective of it's a home game for Texas. Right. Against a team that, by all estimation, should be vastly better than Texas. Right. Now, at the same time, <laughs> you know, I, I, I will say, Utah played uh, 11 teams mm-hmm. that finished 7-5 or worse. Now, granted, Texas finished seven to five, but <laughs> uh, but they averaged a cool nine and a half points a game. Mm-hmm. They played two game, two teams that finished eight and four or better, and those teams averaged thirty points a game. So, w- does Texas fall into that seven and five <laughs> camp? Uh, so, you know, my point is by that is that yes, Utah was dominant, but they were dominant against the less good teams, right? You know, because they lost both games that they played against USC, who finished eight and four, and mm-hmm. against uh, Oregon, who finished eleven and two. So, I don't have a great read of what to think about Utah. Now, the one thing that I'll say is that a lot of people, you know, a lot of Texas people were were kind of talking to me and being like, "Well, Utah just missed out on the playoffs, so they're not going to be motivated." Look, Utah <laughs> is not Georgia. <laughs> I was about to say Utah is is perfectly happy to be in this position. Yeah, I, I will say. I mean. I don't think it was meant to necessarily be a substitute, but I, I asked Matt Rule about, or uh, no, another reporter asked Matt Rule about, well, you know, are you guys going to be motivated since you just missed out on the playoffs, since you were overtime away from going to the playoffs, stuff like yeah. that. And he was basically like, we're not an entitled team and not, pretend, you know, acting like you don't care about the Sugar Bowl as entitlement. <laughs> right. You know, and, and obviously, I mean, for better or for worse, like they, they deserve it to accept, but like George mm-hmm. is an entitled team, you know? Yeah, that's, that's true. Sort of the deal that you get when you recruit six five stars a year. Right. You know, but, uh, but, Utah's not. Right. Utah is not an entitled team. In Absolutely fact, not. In fact, heading into this game, I think there's more of a risk for Texas being the entitled team. Fair enough. Than Utah being an entitled yeah. team. Yeah. Utah was 9-5 and five last year. Like, they're not right. like, oh, how do how dare – seven and six, I believe, two years ago. They're yeah. not like, oh, how dare we miss out on the playoffs. Like, they're <laughs> they're definitely like, man, that was, that was fun, wasn't it? All right, right, now let's win this bowl game. Like, and, Kyle, and Kyle Whittingham's not the type of coach either. No, no. And – and on top of that, <laughs> one one storyline to keep your eye on: uh, Texas failed to get uh, defensive coordinator Morgan Scally away from Utah. He, he got signed to a long term extension. Yeah, and and granted, he is potentially a coach in waiting. Right, like, it's not a surprise that he wants to stay there. And the other thing too, man, is like, look, this was something that I was that I thought before too, and also with Joe Brady is like, hey, you know, it makes some sense for Graham Harrell to look here because like you know what, you're kind of on a slightly sinking ship in both places. Mm-hmm. If you are on a very sturdy ship at LSU or at Utah... You can have your pick. Yeah, like, you don't have to leave for this. No. Like, you don't have to get money with, because here's the deal, right? It's like, you can get... I'm sure the Texas would pay a coordinator $2 million easy. Absolutely. Know, if, they, if they had a Brent Venables tomorrow, right. they will pay whatever it is right. that, to keep him. And I think that they'd offer uh, Joe Brady $2 million. But right. is $2 million... For next year, worth it more than, you know, let's say one point five million at LSU for four years, right. guaranteed. Where you're going to have Ed Orgeron there, you're going to be able to leave when you want for the right position, mm-hmm. probably for a head coaching job. Right. You know that that's sort of the thing uh, with me, but but you know, yeah, you, you mentioned Utah. Like Utah is at eleven wins; they can get to twelve wins. They haven't done that since 2004 when uh when urban meyer was oh the yeah coach. wow the alex smith year yeah like this is a special year yeah so they're 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 absolutely motivated to do this yeah yeah so um i'm a little worried about Texas. you know when you just look at sort of the on-field stuff i mean yeah texas's pass rush hasn't been elite and we saw in that title game that once they could kind of demolish uh once Oregon, rather, could right. could demolish that Utah offensive line. That's really when there started to be issues. And I just don't think Texas has the talent to do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's not the talent. It's that they don't have the execution and they don't have Fair the, enough. You know, they don't have the production, right. let's say, um, to be able to do it. Uh, so, yeah, I just – I think that Sam Ellinger might be the best player on the field between the two teams, but I – think that's it right i think that utah does everything better than yeah. texas i don't think texas has an answer for zach moss i don't think texas i definitely don't think texas has an answer for tyler huntley no um and keep in mind like that this utah line. Off, this the defensive line keep in mind this offense isn't explosive like right. this is a very like methodical 
we're just going to get, you know, I believe, I believe Huntley has like less than 3000 yards passing. Yeah. Like it's not, but he make, he takes care of the ball. He doesn't turn it over. He knows how to make plays when he can Zach Moss, and then he lets Zach Moss handle most of the load. Right. And like Texas is like, they're not gonna be able to get Utah off the field. That's going right. to be the issue. They're going to keep so much possession. Right. Um, and that's the one thing Oregon was able to do. They were able to keep the ball themselves and then make sure that, uh, or uh, Utah had no push up front against that defensive line. Cause Oregon wins games in the trenches, and I just don't think Texas can do that. Okay, the uh, the Boca Raton Bowl. Yeah. Uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. The Cherubundi oh, Boca Raton Bowl. What yeah. is Cherubundi? I have no idea. You made that up. <laughs> no. That's... Cherubundi. Oh, I'm looking that up. It is a. Is that an energy drink? Oh God. It's a chair. Uh, private company which sells a functional brand of cherry juice beverages. <laughs> what? I don't know. I man, somebody pointed it out the other day. The fact Sounds that. Made up. College football is amazing, and bowl games are amazing, and we should play all of them. And I don't, I don't give a damn about <laughs> right. all of you who say there's too many games. Because you know what? If you don't want to watch Eastern Michigan, then don't watch them. Right. God, right. I had somebody jump at me and and say because uh, I said that the group of five gets screwed in the yeah. selection. They were like, "Well, you know, they're just kind of lucky that we that you know there are enough games to accommodate them." And I'm like, okay. "SMU won ten games." Okay. Yeah. Seriously. SMU <laughs> won ten games. There is no world where if a team wins 10 regular season games yeah. that they shouldn't get a postseason game. They went 10-2. and two. The company was founded under, John, under the name Cherry Farm with a PH. <laughs> like pharmacy? I don't know. All right. Anyway, but, but I'm, I'm, done, pointed, I'm done reading about Cherry Bundy. Yeah, somebody pointed this out that, uh, that it is shocking that Enron never sponsored a bull game. <laughs> it is shocking. That is unbelievable. <laughs> My God. Like, just look at somebody. Oh man, Enron! <laughs> oh, that is awesome. There are some incredible sponsors. Do you remember Battle Frog? Yeah, the Battle Frog uh, Fiesta. Uh, no, yeah, it, was, it was Fiesta. Fiesta Bowl. Yeah, that was great. Oh man, it was like an Iron Man competition. It was like a like a uh, uh, yeah, tough mutter or something like basically, that. Basically, <laughs> basically, and they sponsored the Fiesta Bowl. That's amazing. <laughs> and then uh, oh, I missed the days like the Nokia. <sighs> The Beefo Brady Bowl. I can't believe that they lost it. I, I'm honestly very bummed that they lost. <laughs> but but we did replace them. Not replace them, but but we did get the bad boy mowers. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. College football is amazing. But anyway, SMU, can you guess uh, what the line is against FAU? SMU and FAU. Uh, I'm going to go SMU minus four and a half. Minus four. Oh, okay, nice. Yeah. yeah. That yeah, seems little, about right. I, I'm a little surprised. Now, SMU might – I want to be clear. They're not an entitled team, but they are a team that maybe – these sort of lower-level bowl games are a little interesting mm-hmm. because there's not a whole lot to be gained from them. Mm-hmm. You know, because, like, if you beat FAU, well, like, SMU is supposed to beat FAU. Right. I, I think that they're also just a lot better. Like, I, I legitimately do I think mean, they're like I said, it's, that's why it's frustrating that it's not going to be Lane Kiffin in this game right. because, like, I th- – I don't think they're a lot better. I think they're. I think they're better. I think they should yeah. have been favored. I think if Lane Kiffin was coaching, it'd probably be like closer to three. Um, probably a lot closer to three. But like, ah, man, I would. Lo- I just would love to have seen this. Yeah. I. Here, here's the question for me though: is that I think that FAU will just have no answers for Delonte Scott mm-hmm. and Demerick Gary mm-hmm. and Patrick Nelson. That's like, fair. I just think that. SMU, if they're if, again, if they're motivated, yeah. and, and I want I want to be very clear, I don't think that they're an entitled team. I just think that they're a team that, you know, again, probably doesn't have a lot to gain from this game. Yeah. Um, if SMU comes out really motivated and ready and and fighting, I just think that FAU's offensive line has no shot against that pass rush. That's fair. Because SMU's pass rush was quietly phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Like not good, phenomenal. I want to say, uh, and I'm, I'm trying to pull it up right now. I want to say they finished like top five in the nation in total sacks. Okay, like that's how ridiculously dominant they were. And and actually, um, Patrick Nelson finished top ten in the nation with twelve sacks. The only guy he trailed this year uh, in the state of Texas was James Lynch. And by the way, huh. Patrick Nelson plays safety. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, oh, I was wrong. I, I undersold it. SMU finished number one in the nation in sacks. Oh, my gosh. That is ridiculous. 50 sacks. Or, okay, number two, uh, but, but number one in sacks per game because Ohio State had an extra gotcha. game on them. Okay. Holy crap. <laughs> Holy crap. Yeah. And that doesn't That's count awesome. the fact that uh, – that doesn't count the fact that, obviously, then they've got Shane Bouchelle, mm-hmm. Xavier Jones, 
James Prochet, who knows if Reggie Robertson might be healthy for this? I'd imagine not, but but he might be. Right. Rasheed Rice. They got some dudes, man. <laughs> Kylan Granson. I didn't even mention him. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, here's the other thing. It's you talk about entitlement and all that. It's like SMU has something to play for. I believe this is yeah. the first time since this could be the first time since 1982 that they won 11 games. Yes. They haven't. By the way, they haven't won a bowl game since 2012. That's true. Like the the, the one they went to a couple of years ago, they didn't win. Right. And so, like, it's not like that trophy case is any full. Well, <laughs> they, and the other thing too is that this is a very senior heavy team. Yeah. Because you have. James Prochet's never won a bowl game. Mm-hmm. Xavier Jones has never won a bowl game. Right. You know, so like this is this, they have a this, is, this is their back. shot. This right. is their shot. Uh, and that's one of the things that's cool and and I mean it's something I talked about uh, with Matt Wells at Texas Tech about a lot. Like having a senior heavy team means that you are there's urgency. Yeah. You're playing for something. You're always playing for something. Right. And so and on top of that like if SMU were to really take it to FAU they could finish ranked. Yeah. You know, there, there's definitely a way that they could be, you know, 11 and 2 and finish ranked. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that SMU, again, I think SMU is, first of all, just a better team. I think so, too. They're playing with their coach, which mm. I think is a big deal. Yeah. Um, you know, at this point, as far as we know, Rhett Lashley has not been poached by Texas. Right. Um, you know, I, I don't think that we'd figure that out very soon anyway. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I think SMU is a lot better. Mm-hmm. I, I really do. And, and that's just talent-wise and I think coaching-wise – with having their coaches there is going to be a big deal. I think senior heavy is a lot of motivation. I mean, I I think this could be a little bit of a showcase game for SMU. Right, on top of the fact that we also just think they're a better roster right now. Exactly, so. exactly. Okay. So I guess we got to talk about the Sugar Bowl. Oh, yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, so <clears throat> what do you think the line is? Ooh, golly, that's a that's a tough one. Because I'm trying to predict if Baylor – or if, if Vegas – predicts the uh, give a crap factor <laughs> right um i'm gonna say georgia minus five and a half georgia minus seven okay yeah, and and i will yeah. say um you know these lines are from espn yeah uh they're courtesy of caesars though so okay. um, so i mean they, they tended to be kind of very clean lines honestly yeah. <laughs> but um but so i'm very curious i am too because i think that. I think that Baylor and Georgia, in terms of on-field product, aren't that far apart. Now, Georgia obviously is way more "quote-unquote" talented. Yes, you know they've got the top-end talent, they've got the NFL talent, all that sort of stuff. Um, Baylor's a little bit becoming a little bit older at this point than mm-hmm. Georgia because obviously that's one of the things that you deal with when you're Georgia is that your players leave after three years. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they do certain things incredibly well at Baylor. I mean, obviously, schematically, I think on-field. Coaching-wise, they are phenomenal, obviously, especially right. on the defensive side of the ball. Um, you know, defensive line, I think that Baylor has the advantage in this game. I think that the best defensive player on the field, even if Georgia has as good if probably not a better defense. Um, offensively, I think they that Baylor's a lot more creative, obviously. Mm-hmm. I I don't think it's been a secret that I am not a big fan of, of uh, what Georgia does on offense. Yep. And also they're going to be without their star offensive line coach, Sam Pittman. Also true. Now, that probably doesn't take come into account in this game, but this mm-hmm. is a long-term look. Sam Pittman being gone is going to be a big, big deal. In fact, I think I mentioned this to you, but you remember when Arkansas under Brett Bielema was a good team, right? Yeah. Remember when they weren't? <laughs> that's when Sam Pittman left. <laughs> So that's something just to watch long term for them is they hired Matt Luke, who's a good offensive line coach mm-hmm. but, and has been an SC head coach and is obviously a tremendous recruiter. I mean, that's right. that's not in question. But but their defensive line is elite. Yeah. No and question. That, any deviation from that should right. be accounted to the fact that their coach is now the head coach at Arkansas. <laughs> right. Right. And so I'm interested to go into this game because also I think that you're talking about obviously that uh, – Georgia's first and third receiver could be out with injuries. Mm-hmm. DeAndre Swift, we don't really know his status right now. Well, here's the thing. Yeah, that's the, I want to know, is DeAndre Swift playing? Right. Is, or, yeah, uh, is Andrew Thomas playing? Right. Is uh, There's a guard I'm forgetting. Um, 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 uh, Ken, Kinley, I forgot his name. Uh, he's also first-round potential. Like, yeah. there are some guys in the first round in, this, in that offensive line, including, and obviously Swift in the backfield, Obviously, that includes Jake Fromm as well. Like, where is their mindset yeah. going into this? Because, I mean, they could also say, yeah, I'm going to the draft. Like, I'm going to protect the right. stock. So, right. who knows? Well, and it is interesting because, again, I mean, <laughs> I'll say it again. Like, to me, 
Georgia has not accomplished enough to be able to to be entitled, but right. at the same time they are. You know, yeah. so like it's you, you can't it's it's not it a whether it is. It, it is right like they just are, and um and again at the same time if you're a first round talent I understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, the question also to me is how much do they care about what happened against Texas last year? And honestly, I think the answer is probably not at all. Right. <laughs> you know, I think that I think they cared I, the. I think they stopped caring the minute it was over. <laughs> right. Right. And that's the thing is that it's been a storyline all year among us and people in the state of Texas. Obviously, I think it's been a pretty decent storyline among people in Atlanta and in Georgia mm-hmm. uh, in terms of fans. Right. I don't think the players care. Mm-mm. You know, I mean, like. I think that if you ask people at the end of that game last year who's a better team, Georgia or Texas, most people would have said Georgia, obviously. Yeah. And, you know, I think they're fine with that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, um, so I guess the way I guess the way I'll look at this game is yeah. I'll look at this game assuming that everybody plays. Yeah. Swift plays, Thomas yeah. plays, Kenley plays, Fromm plays, all that stuff. Um, <clears throat> I still kind of like Baylor. I just don't think that. If Georgia wins this game, I don't think the two scores better. No, that's fair. That's absolutely fair. Yeah, because that's I, basically what you're asking. Yeah, you know, I mean, when you when you look at seven, mm-hmm. like it means you have to win by more than a touchdown, right? And I one think this game's going to be super low scoring. I think that whoever wins this game is probably going to win by less than five. Right. Um, two, like yeah, I I kind of look at that Georgia team and Georgia this year is worse than Georgia was last year. Mm-hmm. Baylor is in my opinion, pretty substantially better than what Texas was last year. Sure. Um, I think they're way more disciplined, obviously, than what Texas was last year. And I think mm-hmm. they're probably, at this point, more disciplined than a lot of what Georgia does, too. Yeah. Um, talent-wise, obviously. I mean, when you when you talk about guys who can run 4-4s four and when you talk about guys who are gigantic, who move like they're small, like, obviously, Georgia's always going to have those guys. Mm-hmm. You know, they've got an elite secondary. They've got good linebackers. They've got a good defensive line. Like, they can beat you at every single level of the field. Mm-hmm. That said, Baylor's faced more talented teams before, too. Yep. I mean, so it's not like they haven't dealt with it before. Mm-hmm. You know, this, it isn't like this is their first time playing a team of that talent caliber. Like, Georgia's another level, yes, but, like, Oklahoma, from a development perspective, is super effective. Right. From a recruiting perspective, Texas is up there, you know, in terms of, of pure talent. Like, Baylor's not going to be afraid of that. Yeah. Um, again, I mean, <laughs> there's a reality here, too, that – Baylor is still the team with a chip on its shoulder. Yeah. You know, and I mean, not to get into cliches. From no, no, but, it's, but, but they, it's real. They're absolutely still playing. They feel like they are playing for something like really, really special. They right. don't want to end this season with two straight losses. Right, right. right. And, and so, and on top of that, I mean, before the Big 12 title game, especially before Brewer went out, because by the way, I mean, you know, just to, to touch on that Big 12 title game again, mm-hmm. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Brewer leads a similar comeback. Right? Like, I mean, I think that we saw how he went out and saw how he struggled early in that game, and we're like, oh, mm-hmm. Brewer's bad. You know, let's get somebody else in there. Right. He's done this all year. Mm-hmm. You know, and I mean, the other thing, too, is that you're going to be dealing with, a, hopefully, hopefully, a healthy Brewer, um, you know, which I think also changes the equation a little bit. It's like, Baylor's got some dudes, man. Yeah. And they've got some dudes who are motivated. They got some dudes who, if they play well in this bowl game, a guy like Denzel Mims could all of a sudden become a top three round pick. Right. That's so like I'm I'm looking at that. I'm looking at I think I brought this up before the A and M game as well, where it was like, what's Baylor struggled against? They've struggled against quarterbacks who can make plays. Right. Like any type of quarterback that can make plays has right. the game's been within a touchdown. Right. You look at the Auburn game, you look at the A and M game, you look at the game uh they when South Carolina got something from their quarterback right, play, they ended right, up pulling right, off right. an upset. It's like those it's those games where um uh Notre Dame, Notre Dame with Ian right. Book, like they've shown that okay, if there's a quarterback that can make something happen that isn't a statue in the pocket right. that can really get things going and they have downfield threats like Baylor does, something can happen. Yeah. And when things like that happen, if they if if Baylor if Denzel Mims breaks off a sixty seventy yard run, does Georgia then have the guys to be like, ah, oh, crap, we got it? All right, do they have the guys or the not the guys? They have the guys. Do they have the scheme to be able to put them in position to say, okay, you want to make this a track meet or oh crap, we're down ten nothing? Right. Can we can right. we do That's something the, here? If the game goes ten nothing, does Georgia just stop? Right? Do they just be like, screw this? Right? Who cares? Right? You know and. And I mean, look, I, I think that you're right that that in terms of on field coaching, like I mean, I think that that obviously Kirby's a really good defensive coordinator, but this is also a team that is like we have more talent than you, and we're going to try to out talent how much sit talent. on this game, right? Yes, and 
I think that that if you're going to keep the game low scoring, I think that favors Baylor mm-hmm. because I think that uh, you know obviously the one thing that you have to watch out for, especially if Swift plays, is whether Georgia's just going to hold the clock for 42 minutes. Right. But if you're also going to be one dimensional, that is bad news against Baylor. Yeah. If you're just going to sit there and try to run on them, yeah, you know what? They drop eight. <laughs> you know, you're going to have to you're going to have to deal with Terrell Bernard. You're going to have to deal with Jordan Williams. You're going to have to deal with a whole bunch of seniors, a whole bunch of guys who know the system, a whole bunch of guys who are experienced, a whole bunch of guys who really want to win a football game against the likes of Georgia. Mm-hmm. And um, and again, when you look at what teams have to gain and lose from this game, if Baylor wins this game, they basically well, <laughs> the funny thing is, they basically can do into next season what Texas did this year. Right. Except, obviously, you think they're probably a little bit further along than, <laughs> right. than what Texas is. So here's the, Georgia. It, you, they are 75th in pass per attempt, in <laughs> yards per attempt. Like, that is – let me, let me read you some of the names around yeah. here. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Oregon State, Virginia, Stanford, Purdue, West, West, Western Kentucky. Uh, those are the teams below Georgia. The teams slightly above Georgia. UCLA, Iowa, Fresno State, Miami of Ohio. <sighs> That's who Georgia's in their classifications with in terms of the adventurous and courageousness of their passing. <laughs> I have to say, so um, so Jake Fromm last year, because I want to be clear, I think Jake Fromm has has way more upside than Georgia plays with, right? I think here's I think J- Jake Fromm is clearly to me the third best quarterback in this in this potential draft. Yeah, and I think he should be a top ten pick. Yeah, they don't play him like it. Yeah. <laughs> So last year, Jake Fromm completed 67% of his passes. Yes. He had nine yards per pass attempt, 30 touchdowns, six interceptions, 171 uh, passer rating. Right. This year, he's completed 60% of his passes, seven yards per pass attempt, mm. 22 touchdowns, five interceptions. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I used to work in Atlanta, so I'm, I, I still have a bunch of friends who are uh, Georgia fans who mm-hmm. I still kind of keep in touch with. They're like, well... You know, we should just open up the office. I'm like, you know who your head coach is? <laughs> yeah, like, your head coach is a guy who learned under the guy, learned under the head coach who did not do that until it was way too late. Like Saban. Like Kirby Smart looks at Nick Saban, and he was like, and he's like, getting a little spicy there. Yeah, you know, like he like, sees Lane Kiffin come in, he's like, oh, he's tugging uh, at the collar. He's yeah. like, oh, Lane Kiffin, why are you bringing him if, to the if offensive Kirby coordinator? Kirby Smart was the head coach at Alabama. He would say. What if we just recruited better players? Right. <laughs> you know, like, it's like, oh, you can, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. It's, yeah. I mean, my hope was that LSU beat all of that out of them right. by just destroying them in the title game, but it's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, and and now, the, again, they're the losing Sam Pittman. Right. Who, they're losing the guy that's allowing this to happen in the first place, this success on the offensive line. Any, any semblance of success is because of that offensive line. Yeah. And that's why, I mean, again, that's why I didn't think they had a chance against LSU. That's why I think Baylor, I would give Baylor a chance in this game with everybody playing. Even, yeah. even you know, Swift might not play again, all that stuff. Including all of them, I would still give Baylor the edge to win this game because yeah. I just don't think, I just, I, I cannot stand how boring and methodical this <laughs> offense is yeah. when they... Saban at least won a title doing that. Right. They haven't done right. that to where it's like, why are you so stubborn in this? <laughs> okay, so let's anyway. uh, let's let's finish up with this. Yeah, this is very much just just like first look, right? Like <clears throat> we'll have a lot more time to break everything down later. Sure. Um, first look, SMU minus four against FAU. Who are you taking? SMU minus four. Uh, give me SMU. Yeah, yeah. I I think SMU, and I think it's not close. Right. I I, I really think that. Texas A and M five and a half against Oklahoma State. Give me A and M. Same here. Uh, same deal where, like, they better. Yeah, <laughs> right, you right. Know, they they, they kind of better. <laughs> yeah. um, and and I think they will, to be clear. Sure. But uh, Texas, seven-point underdogs against Utah. Who you got? Yeah, give me Utah. Yeah. yeah it's It's been that kind of year for Texas. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and again, you can show me something in this game, right? Yeah. Like, that's if they cool come out and Texas. win. Right. Okay, awesome. Hell, man, if, if, they, if they lose by three, I think that you still take positive things away from this season. You know what I just realized? What's that? We're less than like two years out of of Tom Herman doing the backpack. <laughs> wow, how things have changed, oh, huh? Man. Oh man! Remember when a head coach mocked a a, a student athlete? <laughs> oh man! Oh boy, that swagger is a little 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 faded now, isn't it? 
I, I can't I can't remember when I was I think I looked up the last time they were in the Alamo Bowl and then that gift came I was like oh that's right Tom Herman well, taunted well, that was the, in the opposing Bowl, to be fair but, oh that was that's but, right yeah but, you're right because uh, it was SEC you're wasn't right. it uh, wasn't it Mac Brown's last game wasn't that their last time in the Alamo Bowl was it, it might have been I think that's right yeah but anyway yeah Where they got uh, killed by Oregon yeah anyway Mar- yeah that was Marcus Mariota oh man. That's bad news. You'd never want to play Marcus Mariota, man, in, in, in college. Right. In college, as unfortunately you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right, Sugar Bowl. Georgia minus seven. Who you got? Give me Baylor outright. Yeah. yeah. Wow, Baylor <laughs> give me, outright. Give me Baylor oh, outright, okay. man. I'm saying it right now. Baylor's getting that done. I, I think, again, I just don't think whoever wins this game is going to win by more than a touchdown. Right, no. It's going to be an ugly game. Right. And I could see this game finishing... 17-14? Yeah. I think that's very possible. I think we could see uh, – not the cheese bowl First of all, nothing will ever be the cheese bowl And second <laughs> of all, both quarterbacks are too good to throw a combined, whatever, six interceptions. That's right. just not – it was more than six. It was like nine. It was it was something awesome. It was a lot. <laughs> it was a lot more awesome Jesus than Jesus Christ. Yeah, no, Jake Fromm and Charlie Burr are too good for that, obviously. Yeah. But, uh, but I think it's going to be a very low-scoring game. It's going to be very ugly. Uh, hopefully it ends quickly so I can, you know, enjoy New Year's Day on Bourbon Street mm-hmm. or, or whatever. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, think that, I think that Baylor keeps it close at minimum, and I definitely think they have a chance to win this game. So, uh, once again, congratulations to, uh, to Jeff Trailer for being the new head coach at UTSA. Congratulations to all four of these teams for making bowl games. And, look, when we're sitting here next year, we better not be only talking about four teams making bowl games. We better not be talking about TCU sitting at home. We better not be talking about Houston sitting at home. We sure as hell better not be talking about North Texas sitting here at home. That's unacceptable. And we'd love to see UTSA in their first season under Jeff Trailer make a bowl. We'd love to see, well, I almost said UTEP. Please, please, I'm begging you, (laughs) begging you. Uh, Obviously, uh, you know, we'd love to see Texas State uh, back in a bowl game under under superstar quarterback, first team All-Texas College, Brady McBride. So, uh, anyway, we got a long offseason ahead of us, but still a lot of football left to go. Uh, One thing I also want to mention is that uh, officially this weekend, the state of Texas was eliminated from national title consideration because Texas A&M Commerce lost on the road against Uh, Minnesota State. And Mary Harden Bailey lost to Wisconsin Whitewater. So, tough year. I mean, that's kind of just been what it's been. Uh, last year was definitely a little bit more intriguing, I guess, from the from the postseason perspective. But, yeah. but you know, Tarleton, uh, their last game, I guess, <laughs> ends as an A&M Commerce win. So, uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us. Once again, if you haven't as yet, textfootball.com slash subscribe. You'll get our brand-new recruiting magazine. Uh, with again Haynes King on the cover, the Longview quarterback, Texas A&M commit. Um, are, is the basketball magazine still on a still on bookshelves? Yes, should still be out now. All um, right. If you yeah. haven't as yet, TexasBasketball.com/store. You can also order it from there. Let, let's just talk real quick. JJ Culver. Oh my gosh, hundred points, Waylon Baptist. Good God, a hundred points. <laughs> and by the way, that. I, I know that I knew that obviously he had a brother. I knew that that like all that sort of stuff. But like yeah. the Culver family, man. <laughs> so they've got three boys. Yeah. Trey Culver is on Team USA. He's a high jumper. He was a two time oh, really? wow. NCAA national champion. Okay. Right? So he's yeah. the oldest. The youngest, Jarrett Culver. Mm-hmm. Is Led Texas Tech yeah. to the national title game in basketball is was the number six NBA draft pick by the Minnesota Timberwolves. Yep, and the quote unquote less athletic brother just scored a hundred <laughs> points in a basketball game. <laughs> oh man! Holy That's crap! Wild. That is wild. I'm what I'm actually. Uh, Waylon Baptist has his highlights, not all of them, but like yeah. a lot of his highlights. These aren't. It's not him waiting on the other end cherry picking, man. No. He's driving to the rim. He is like in traffic. He's posting up. Well, They're double teaming him. Like, well, and one thing. So, so we actually have a story up uh, at textfastball.com. I got a chance to talk to both him and, and head coach Ty Harrelson, and yeah. um, and like the big thing that that Harrelson wanted me to know was that he was like, dude, this was just in our offense, yeah. and and like it, it wasn't a Grinnell offense, right? It right. was. It wasn't like the jacking threes offense. Right. It was just like most of the plays were off of screens. Yeah. He scored 100 points running through screens. <laughs> like, imagine if Rip Hamilton scored 100 points. Right. That's basically what just happened. It, it, it's pretty wild. And because um, he's not an ISO player. Right. You know, he's, he's not he's not Dame Lillard. He's not James Harden. Just kind of, you know. Right. He just he was the hot hand. Right. And he just became an all-time hot hand. <laughs> yeah. That is so insane, man. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm curious to see, man, because he he was averaging 28 coming into this game, but obviously 100. Is oh, how much that <laughs> inflates that number! I think he's up to 35 now, just Hell off yeah. of that one game. Hell yeah! <laughs> so uh, and and like they had played like eight or nine games already. This was not nothing, you know. Mm. Like they had already built up a little bit of a resume, but 100 points, man, that is that is ridiculous. So again, TexasBasketball.com. We're going to start shifting over there as well. Um, obviously, Ish being the managing editor over there, you know, I'm hoping to do a little bit more content this year too. Um, I know that, you know, uh, Justin Carter, who's a guy who mm-hmm. some people might know, he's doing some great content on the women's basketball side, uh, doing a really great job for us. I know Corey is just a freaking machine doing some small college basketball stuff. It's uh, it's happening. We're yeah. here. We're officially here. Yes, sir. And uh, I do have to give a shout out to uh, to, to the Baylor Bears for, for squeaking out a win over Butler last night. <laughs> that was wild, man. That was wild. They, they got to learn how to finish games. I'll, I'll tell you that. But but if they can do that, they're pretty dangerous. Anyway, that's enough from us. That's enough from us. So, uh, so again, uh, textfootball.com slash subscribe. Follow us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Text Football. Follow us on Twitter at DCDF. And we will talk to you guys again next week.